0: Welcome back, everybody. This is the Bless You Boys podcast. We're here, episode two. Bless You Boys is the SB Nation site devoted to Tigers baseball. I'm your host, Brandon Day. I'm a staff writer and editor at Bless You Boys. And with me is my co-host, Ashley McLennan. Ashley, how's it going?
1: Not too shabby. It's freezing
0: as heck up here in Manitoba. Oh, yeah. You guys are starting to get it, aren't you?
1: Yeah, it's unpleasant, and I can't explain it properly because we're in Celsius, but it's cold. I'm
0: just going to go cold. <laughs> yeah, it looks, looks like it's finally heading our way as well. We kind of had like a reprieve the last couple days in Michigan. It was almost 50-ish, a couple days, but yeah, we're, we're doomed now. It's, it's coming.
1: Yeah, it was super nice here for about a week, and now we're, we, we've we been teased long enough. Now winter is here.
0: Yeah, the winter meetings are coming. That's That's how we know. The days are No, going that's shorter. the winter. The winter I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I know. Like, man. Yeah, again, we talked about this last week, but it was like, yeah, years. You know, years past the winter meetings to be like, ooh, what, what big thing is going to happen? And now it's like, well, I hope they get someone decent in the Rule Five draft, and maybe they can trade Ian Kinsler and make everyone very sad, but hopefully get something decent for him and give him a nice home to try to compete on.
1: Yeah, like it's sad, but it's a foregone conclusion at this point. Like, there's no sense in keeping him. Like what? So that he can be old man at the helm for a losing team?
0: Yeah, not, and not just a losing team, but yeah, like uh, pro- you know, probably a really, really bad team.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I was, I was on the radio with ESPN. I guess it'll be yesterday by the time this airs, and we were talking about it. And it's like it's it's going to be like a hundred loss team, possibly for the next two years. So I don't,
0: I don't know that we want to subject Ian Kinsler to that. Yeah, <laughs> make me-
1: him make him even grumpier
0: i know you know he's only got you know he's only got a couple of years left where he's he's still going to be good and everything so yeah i would as much as i'll miss him uh, yeah it would it would be good if we can find him uh find him someplace good to go and preferably yeah someplace that they have enough prospects that they're willing to let slip a a good one especially if we throw something in so so yeah we'll be hoping for that um one thing I was going to mention is that um, we're hoping next week we'll have David um, Lorilla, who's uh, a writer for Fangraphs, and um, he's contributed to a bunch of different places, Baseball Digest, I um, mean saber member, um, baseball follower extraordinaire. Um, he'll be at the winter meetings, and we're going to hope to um, hook up with him there and have him on to talk about what he's what he's seeing there, um, who's drinking with who, what shenanigans are going on. He probably can't reveal any of that, but we'll try to ask him anyway, and uh, yeah, and see what's going on there. So. We have that coming up next week um, but for today the Tigers did exciting well all right the Tigers did things the Tigers did something
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the definition of
0: exciting might have
1: to be stretched a little for us to call what they did today exciting but let us talk about how I'm psychic
0: yes you are psychic Just because a bit. yeah last week you brought up Leonidas Martin as a guy that we you know kind of could have taken a look at earlier last year and someone who just, you know, kind of went under the radar and no one picked him up because there seemed to be one of those quid pro quo agreements between general managers to just kind of let him be and let him stay with Seattle, but today the Tigers snatched him up um, for what 1.75 million for next year and I think there's one
1: seven five and like 1.1 1. 1 in incentives, I think.
0: Yeah, and I or think something there... like that. And isn't there I think there's an extra year of control as well? Not I missed a... if it was an option or not because I just got out of work, but They've got him long enough where if he comes back and actually does something, you know, we'd be that able to That they deal. have that option, yeah. So the question is, how how is it that you managed to mention him right there? That was incredible. You brought I, him up, and now we've got him. Well, we should try something we were talking. Otani.
1: We should. I should, I think he's going to the Padres. Let's see if I'm right.
0: Yeah, it does seem like I the think Otani, have come have come out as I the think, favorite all of a sudden.
1: I think Otani's going to go to the Pirates, uh, the Pirates, the Padres. I think Kinzer's going to go to the Angels. I'm just going to say these now. We'll see how right or wrong I am. Um, No, the the Martin thing, uh, who were we talking about? We were talking about uh, um, that Phillies pitcher and how nobody, yeah, about Apple and how nobody signed him. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it reminds me of that Leonie's Martin thing from last year where it seems like he'd be a good fit for us, but we didn't take him. And lo and behold, only less than a year after the fact, we now have Leonis Martin in our outfield. So my question is, how do we figure he's going to get used? Do we think like everyday center field or is it just going to be an all-around kind of outfield platoon with people changing positions?
0: Yeah, I mean, I would assume that he's probably going to get the first crack at the center field job, um, you know, especially against right-handed pitching. So maybe, maybe you kind of pair him with, you know Jacoby Jones, who really isn't. You know, we'll see how, how oh, things go, but you know, isn't really ready I, to play I, every day in center field. So,
1: no, I think they should leave Jacoby in Toledo for the most part this
0: year. Just let him develop more. Yeah, at least I kind of feel the same. Like at least you know, at least in the early going, like you know, see if he can kind of get his get his feet under him and start making better contact. Because you know, from what we saw, you know, last year, you know, he just he just doesn't look ready at all. Um Maybe maybe leave him at double A or triple A and yeah see if he can kind of get his get his legs under him and start making better contact and then maybe bring him up later in the year. So yeah, I tend to yeah. agree. I think I think Martin will probably probably be the starter um, and at least play most of the time. Um, you know, there's so do we a... figure
1: Martine for center like Ma took and right,
0: or left a... I guess. Yeah and left and then I assume you know I assume Nick Castellanos is gonna just they're just gonna turn him loose in right field and you know let him play there and see if he can kind of figure it out over the. Over the course of the year, yeah. I mean, we don't really have anything to lose, so. No, I think that's right. I think that he'll stick
1: and right where he can do the least amount of damage. I'm so sorry to Nick
0: Castellanos fans who listen to this podcast.
1: <laughs> I'm never, I'm never particularly nice about him, and I don't mean to be mean.
0: I, have, I mean, I kind of like Nick, actually. You know, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty confident that the bad is going to get better. I don't know if he's going to be able to really really play you know right field and be okay out there but I kind of still think he, he might be I mean he's gotten faster the past two years which I'm I'm kind of banking on and if there's one thing you know that I want to I want to bring up on Nick Castellanos behalf it's that when James McCann got into the scrum with Miguel Sano last last year first dude to him was Nick Castellanos right into the scrum and the same thing when Miguel Cabrera punched Austin Romine Nick Castellanos first guy on the scene diving in there and that's a good teammate. I like I like to yeah. see that.
1: Yeah. Well, I still remember his his the immediate reaction to that J.D. Martinez Chris Sale home run. Old <laughs> Nick Castellanos on the top step going, "Are you effing kidding me?" Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was one of the best things I've ever seen. Oh,
0: that was such a glorious moment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so Yeah,
1: so I mean, like, I'm gonna
0: try yeah, to hang in there as, as
1: a character and as a player, I I, I have no problems with him as an individual. I and I would just dearly love for him. This is my eighty-year-old grandma in me talking. I would dearly love for him to do up those buttons on his jersey, (laughs) just, (laughs) just a little bit, Nick. Like I know you're from Miami, but could we, maybe, just try buttoning those up? He's got flash that. And then maybe
0: got to flash that gold, Ashley.
1: I don't know, man. I, (laughs) I am secretly a grandmother at 34 but yeah he is he's ridiculous
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah but in his own way you know fairly likable i, I mean i think you know absolutely it's, yes it's just the problem of you know having seen too many ground balls you know rocket past him while he flails in the dirt i mean i think that's yes. that's really what it comes down to for almost everybody you know yeah tough yes. to watch
1: you're not, you're not wrong
0: yeah so you know leonise martine i mean you know i kind of when you know we didn't have a center fielder to begin the season, and we were playing Tyler Collins out there, I really thought, you know, hey, this is worth a try, you know he's a great defender, um, he's still got the speed, he can still steal you bags, but the problem is like you know his bat was never very good, and it's it's just gone completely to hell the past few years um you know he doesn't oh it's it it was real bad this year real bad yeah i mean it's not that he strikes out so much he doesn't um but he doesn't really walk and he just he's just so weak so weak with the contact that just you know nothing drops in for him um you know i I think he hit was it looking once once 172 yeah and that's a short season but even last year it was you know 247 306 378 slash line like you know, if you can play great defense, that would be okay. So I suppose we can be optimistic that maybe he comes out and gets off to a hot start and they can and they can do something with him. But at least we'll have somebody out there in center field who can run everything yeah, his down. Defense is, it, it's good. Like,
1: I looked at it. I think he had, like, a, a DRS of eight um, last season, which is still pretty solid. And his UZR wasn't amazing, but it wasn't, like, negative. So
0: Yeah. And that was only in, him, you know, he only played, like, I think – like 50 games 56
1: games or something like that. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that's pretty good. That's a pretty good defensive run saved only be out there for, you know, like not even, not even a quarter of a season, not even close. <laughs> so, so yeah, he can still go get it. And, you know, I've been kind of on this because, you know, I, I just want the Tigers to do everything they can in terms of run prevention. So that, you know, in terms of having better defense, in terms of having better catching and try to get Daniel Norris, Matt Boyd, some of these young pitchers, all the help they can, to succeed and you know Martin might be a piece in that in that direction. Um, unfortunately, the Tigers signed someone else today who could potentially be a, a helpful piece because he's a, a much better framer than James McCann. but there are many reasons to be unhappy about the Tigers signing Derek Norris. Um, and you know his performance aside, the, the main reason is the domestic violence um, issue. Um, he was, you know, he he got in trouble with the uh with the league this year. He hasn't been there's not no criminal charges I don't think were filed or anything like that, but it's just no, a very no very charges, ugly No charges, no
1: arrest. but it's uh it's part of a an ongoing concern within the MLB and I, I don't I'm not particularly thrilled with that signing. Yeah. And I I don't think a lot of people are I don't think I think uh, and this, I, I don't want to excuse any of the other players, but I think you can almost see why a team can justify it to themselves with a guy like Araldus Chapman, sure. like which is again not to excuse anything Chapman did because it was not good uh, at all. But to make an exception to sign a guy like Derek Norris, like what what plus does Derek Norris bring to the Tigers with his like two o three batting average?
0: Yeah, like yeah,
1: I. I, I just don't see it. I mean, yes, he was an all-star in 2014, but I mean, Alex Avila was an all-star in 2011. Let's get him back.
0: Yeah. I would, I would much prefer that, that, that going that route. Um, you know, it's, it's tough when something like that, you know, is, is in a guy's, you know, very recent history, especially, um, or, or you know, his history whenever, um, it's a touchy subject. Um, but the, the, you know, the, it just comes down to I don't want to be cold about it, but you also look at like you know the reality of like him on the Tigers and what does he bring to the table? And the guy only hits left-handed pitching, just like James McCann does. Yes, he's probably a better defensive catcher. He's a better framer. He's got experience, um, but you know he just he's not a guy that you're gonna you know you know get anything out of. You know he's not a guy who's gonna suddenly come back and play reasonably well, and you're gonna be able to move him or something like that for a piece. Um, there's none no of that so I was really I don't know I was really surprised you know th- that they did that I was kind of like that that Derek Norris when, when I saw that but
1: there's there's no upside to that signing as far as I can tell so I mean people can come at me and say all they want that I'm sure the Tigers looked into it and I'm like well I mean did they like not even just because of his past but like why make that signing at all.
0: really. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, just, just from the cold calculus of a PR perspective, you know, there just doesn't seem to be enough there to balance the, the bad, you know, that that comes along with them. So.
1: And, and funny that like you bring up PR, like I just, for a team that's going to struggle as much as the Tigers are next year, I think to get fans into the stadium and a team that's going to be looking really hard at how to motivate people to come out to those games why Why would you take a risk like that and say to yourself, yeah, let's sign a guy that was suspended for over a month at the end of last season and had to pay a fine and, you know, that money had to go to domestic violence charities? Like,
0: yeah,
1: why? Why sign that guy? Why mm-hmm. make that decision?
0: Yeah. And who's, is it his, this is his girlfriend or his wife? But it she, was his I mean,
1: ex-fiance.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, she had a a pretty harrowing pretty harrowing tale to tell. Um, it was, it was pretty upsetting to read that. Um, so I mean, he's not on the team, you know, he's he's invited to spring training. Um, you know, maybe they'll check him out. Maybe they'll just, you know, kind of let him, you know, do his thing and, you know, see if he's got anything left to offer. Um, and probably he doesn't, and probably he's not going to end up on the roster this year, but you know, we don't know that for a fact. And yeah, it just, um, it just doesn't seem like the kind of move that has enough upside to make it worth it. So, We'll see how it goes. I mean, you know, the nice thing is that they brought Jim Aducci back. Um, that was actually announced, I think, about a week ago. But that'll be kind of fun. You know, it's Aducci's a guy who's, you know, not going to play in the majors a whole lot. But, you know, it was kind of a nice story. He's Canadian. He's Canadian. I mean, he's got that going for he's him Canadian. right off the bat. So. It's
1: very nice. <laughs> There's not a lot of them going around. So I am a fan when we sign some of them. <laughs> yeah.
0: Bring, bring back one of your countrymen. And uh, you know, and you know, he yeah. was kind of a fan favorite last year. You know, a lot of people were you know pretty pretty into the the Deuce there for a little while, and you know, having him in the minor leagues, you know, to kind of kind of be a role model and maybe come up at a certain point, and you know, kind of pitch in um, in one of the corner outfield spots or whatever. That's you know, that's fine. I, I don't have any have any real issue with it. Yeah.
1: I don't see him getting used a lot, but if he does come up, he's he's a fine addition. Like he was a he's the quiet but reliable kind of fill in in the outfields last season um the one i'm kind of into and interested in is this uh this edwin espinel kid um who is in the, the Tigers not in the tigers but he was in the um the pirate system oh yeah um he was the uh rawlings minor league gold glove award winner this year uh and in the minors was hitting at about 279 which isn't you know terribly exciting but he did not commit a single error at first base this year uh which is very interesting to me um i don't know i mean he's 23 he's a baby he's he's in double a triple a and you can't put a lot of stock into that but i'm
0: i'm interested yeah, it's kind of one of those odd ones, though, you know, where it's, you know, they they pick up a, a first baseman, you know, it kind of feels like, you know, having Efren Navarro around again um, in that, you know, he, you know, presumably Miguel Cabrera will miss some time <laughs> this year just because he's at the point in his career where, you know, he's probably going to have a few little um, disabled list stints, even if, you know, even if the best case scenario happens and he comes back with his back healthy and, you know, is just absolutely murdering the baseball You know, you might need someone, you know, in in the minors who can come up and fill in for you there and maybe hit a little bit. So, yeah, I've got no real issue with it. Um, It doesn't, you know, it's another move that doesn't really seem like it has a whole lot of upside. But that's that's kind of where we're in general. I think (laughs) I
1: think in this this season, you're going to see most likely you're going to see a lot more use of Jim Hicks. Um, not Jim Hicks. John oh, yeah. Hicks. John Hicks. John Hicks. Yeah. yeah. I, we're just talking about Jim duty so I'm like, yeah, Jim. Let's call everybody Jim.
0: They actually did uh, kind but, of mixed together in my head there for a little while. They really did.
1: They're so generic. Uh, but Hicks was pretty decent working both as a backup catcher and um at that first base role. Because I think if the Tigers are smart, what they'll do is avoid overusing Miggy at this point and they'll also try to avoid overusing victor especially with the ongoing heart concerns so i I think you could see a little bit more of miggy in that dh position and using guys like hicks at first base in in situations
0: yep yeah i could see that happening and you know you just don't know you know even if victor martinez um you know is is back and healthy as far as the heart goes um you know, he's he's still one wrong step from, you know, tweaking the knees or, you know, it's it's, it's pretty hard to imagine he goes through a whole whole season without oh, hitting the DAL at some point. He
1: is, is held together by wishes and bubblegum at this point. Like, I'm amazed that Victor Martinez can still make it around the bases.
0: Yep. Yep. And, it, and he can, but whew, slowly. <laughs> Very slowly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh yeah, I think seeing more of him of, of like a mix of Miggy and Victor in the DH position this year would make a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, I could see that happening. And you know, that brings that brought the roster the signing of uh, Martin on a minor league or a major league contract brought the the uh the 40-man roster to 39 because they had already cut someone earlier in the week um who was Bruce Rondone, who finally finally ran out of chances with the Tigers and you uh, know, is, is now available for anyone who wants to try him as a project while the Tigers look for other projects <laughs> to attempt. And, yeah, good uh, luck. Yeah. Good luck
1: to anybody. Yeah. I, I have no sad feelings about that parting whatsoever. Um, I think it was time. I think the Bruce Rondon experiment had run its course.
0: Yep, I have to agree. I mean, he was out of options, and I and I assume that was kind of the, you know, kind of the final step. You know, the Tigers apparently had been trying to shop him for just, you know, kind of a meager prospect, you know, or some kind of exchange of, you know, project reliever type guys, and no one was biting on that, which pretty much tells you what you need to know about Bruce Rondon's, you know, kind of reputation um and people's interest level at this point. Um, you know, I defended Bruce Rondone, you know, going into last year and, and still wanted them to give him one more one more shot at it. You know, I, There's there's been a lot of, you know, sometimes it does get overblown as far as, like, what a problem child a guy is. Um, you know, if anything gets out to the media, of course, you know, it, it does kind of get harped on as one of the few things you actually know about a guy who doesn't really have, like, a major role on the team. But, um, you know, Rondon, you know, last year in 2016, you know, came down the stretch um, throwing a great slider and showing some of the best command, you know, we'd ever really seen out of him, um, at least since 2013, pitched really well and then came into camp this year, you know, reportedly at 300 pounds, um, looked out of shape and just, you know, just never had anything to offer uh, this season. And, you know, you look at the fastball, um, you know, he's down a couple ticks from where he was when back in the, you know, era, apparent to the closer role days of, you know, the 2012, 2013 off season. It's just not the same, the same pitch um, that it was back then. And while the slider is good, he's, he's never gotten any, anywhere with his command. Um, you continue to hear like these, you know, discipline problems. Um, you know, there's just, just not any, any real reason to stick in there. You know, I, I know some people were upset. <laughs> I was surprised, but a few people were upset about that. But, you know, there's just plenty of guys like that. Um, there's a guy, Albert Toronto, who, um was also released along with mark apple by the phillies who you know throws 99 100 has a wicked slider and you know can't hit the broad side of a barn um we, <laughs> could, pick, we could pick that guy up you know there's there's plenty of guys He's... like that around so you know no tears need to be shed over bruce Rondone. i'm not mad at our man.
1: own new, new clalooch
0: <laughs> yeah exactly you know we don't have God. to be mad at him to be like totally like ah eh, not interested it's time yeah to i up. like
1: I harbor no ill will, but, like, it didn't seem even like he really particularly wanted to be on the team. Like, you didn't get that that motivation. You didn't get that vibe like he was actually, you know, trying. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm still looking forward to seeing what Jimenez can bring. I don't think we got there last year, and I'm I'm really hoping to see a little bit more of that World Baseball classic magic out of him.
0: Yep. I see uh, Instagram videos from Joe Jimenez, you know, almost every day of him pumping tons of iron, you know, always in the gym, you know, always inspirational quotes. Um, you know, he seems, seems to be a highly motivated individual. Um, I've heard the same thing from people who know him and yeah, you know, he was probably brought up a little bit too early last year and I can't complain about that because I was like, Hey, why don't you bring him up? <laughs> because we, oh, didn't we, all, a lot, yeah, we didn't have a whole lot else to offer in the, uh, the bullpen beyond green and, you know, Alex Wilson and Justin Wilson especially when K rod was falling apart. So it was worth a shot, yeah. but um, yeah, he was probably, you know, maybe a little bit, you know, too soon for him. And there's some other guys, you know, Hyrule Abort, um, Zach Reininger, Brian Garcia didn't make it up last year, but he was closing at um, Toledo by the end of the year. So there's a bunch of interesting relief prospects who are at least, you know, close and should be at least somewhat interesting to watch and see if one of them can develop into a legit reliever at some point along the way here.
1: I think it'll be, I I still have a feeling that the Tigers might try to move Green, because he's he's one of the few pieces in the bullpen that has any real value, and is, like, movable. Um, Man, how much is that bullpen going to stink if you get rid of Green? Oh, God. I
0: I mean, I guess at that point, you know, you pretty much do just install, you know, Jimenez at closer, you know, you've got... Labort Reininger and maybe Garcia setting him up and Alex Wilson is kind of your, your middle innings, you know, just, just pitch him till he drops guy who fits in the middle. So yeah, it, it, it'll, it'll be rough then. And that, you know, and that's, that's another kind of issue the Tigers have is that they can't, you know, they can't just roll out a ton of guys who are that bad because someone has to get these innings. And if, you know, you're getting blown up left and right, you know, you can't, you can't get your starters out early you're going to end up overworking them. Um, So as much as it kind of feels like, yeah, we can just, you know, it doesn't matter. We can just pitch whoever they, they do have to figure out a way to, you know, to find some consistency in there, or they're going to end up using guys in ways they don't want to. Um, You know, they're going to be forced to do that. And that's not good for, for player development either. So they're, you know, they've got a a tough call there. Yeah. I it's going
1: to be interesting. I think they'll probably try to pick at least one reliever up on the free agent market. Um, but it's not going to be anyone great. Like, I don't suspect we're going to run out and get Greg Holland or anything,
0: yeah. um, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. That's the problem is, you know, I, you could see like if they could get somebody on a one year deal and just pay them a ton of money, you know, like, Hey, you know, Hey, Brendan Morrow, do you want to come here for $20 million for one year? Like maybe you. Could it's all the money we to, have.
1: Yeah, Exactly.
0: <laughs> we do. And you know, we promise we'll trade you. Uh, but, yeah, they're going to have to pick from a from a lesser class of, of free agent there. But one thing I would like to mention is that, you know, I, I really hope the Tigers can make this pitch to whoever whichever free agents, you know, they're interested in, and that the Tigers are a better team to go to than any of these sort of kind of mid-tier teams that, uh oh, maybe could contend. You know, outside of, like, the Astros, the Dodgers, the, you know, Cubs, Yankees, the big boys, the Tigers are, are the direct path, you know, to getting you to a contending team at at the trade deadline because you know they'll trade you. And you can yeah. sign on with you know, <laughs> you can sign on with the Mets if you want to. You can sign on with the Rangers, but you're stuck with that team, you know, all year. And what if they're, you know, around five hundred and you're into July and you're thinking like, ah, we're not gonna make it. If you're with the Tigers, you know, the, the Tigers are gonna trade you to a team that is pretty convinced they're contending. So you know, th- there is kind of a you know there is kind of a benefit to not you know just signing on with you know the pirates or or somebody who looks like they're going to be you know roughly 500. Um, you know if you're gonna if you want to get to the top you know maybe the best way is to just start at the bottom if you're not one of the the premier Greg Holland Wade Davis you know Morrow type reliever guys who are available. So
1: yeah, I like it. It's you know it's a goofy sentiment, but you're actually right because based on what we did last year, it's exactly what will happen, and I think. It's almost why some people think Avila might come back, because it's like, well, if you don't find the deal you want right away, just come back to the Tigers and we'll trade you in July.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why you know teams pay a premium price at the deadline, and it's because they're close enough to know kind of what their chances are. You know, in the spring they don't, but at that point, you know, they have a pretty good idea. And you know, yeah, you can sign on with you know the Nationals if you want to. That's a that's a good bet. But you know, even a team like that, you know, yeah, okay, you signed on with the Nationals, but what if? you know, Steven Strasburg blows out his elbow or, you know, something major happens, then, then you're stuck. You know, you've, you've locked in with them for the whole year. Whereas, yeah, you know, come to Detroit, you know, they won't over overwork you too hard because the whole point is eventually, you know, we're going to try to turn you into a prospect. So all you free agents out there, exactly, right, keep that in mind. Detroit is not a bad place to play.
1: <laughs> they may have a bad, bad future
0: ahead of them, but whoever signs there won't. Yeah, exactly. It's not a bad place to play for three and a half, four months, let's say. Plus, you know, yeah. garden hire. You got, you know, Snow White beard. You know, Santa looking fella <laughs> taking care of you. Yeah. Oh my is, god. I know. We're in such a weird place. We really are. We have to have to plumb the depths for sources of intrigue <laughs> and interest out here. It's it's a
1: it's the calm before the storm. I hope.
0: Yep. So do I. They you know they they sign you know and Alavila in general has basically done the right things this off season. You know, he's trying to find cheap guys with some upside. Um, I was really happy that they, they picked up Ryan Carpenter, um, on them. They signed him on a major league deal, but he was a minor league free agent, um, who I think pitched for the Rockies in their farm system last year and was pretty good. Um, he's a big, tall lefty who kind of looks a lot like Andrew Miller or Madison Bumgarner kind of has that long, long levered delivery. Um, but isn't, you know, Doesn't nearly have that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, he's kind of got, like, four kind of fringe average pitches. And if his command is good, he could be useful. Um, They also signed Kevin Comer, who's a pretty hard thrower, who the Astros had to release. Um, You know, they picked up some of the better minor league free agent guys that were out there. Um, And, you know, you never know. A lot of times those guys, you're kind of scraping the the barrel when you're going for minor league free agents because their team could have protected them on their 40-man and decided not to, which tells you Yeah. But you know out of, out of that pool, I think the Tigers did pretty well um, to get some of the best guys that were available. So you never know maybe one of those guys will prove useful. Yeah, it's all you can hope, right? It's just wait and hope. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, it really is. Yeah. it's just uh, yeah, it's it's hard to acclimate them you know to. I you know I've been I switched over really like in the middle of last year because I was doing most of the minor league coverage on the site or at least a lot of it. And at a certain point, I realized like, oh, this is good. <laughs> I'm, much, I'm much happier to already be ahead of the game and just and just moving on to just full time covering the farm system and all that sort of thing because uh, yeah. it was it was just such a rough watch down the stretch.
1: Oh god, yeah, it, it's. Uh, I think I'm almost relieved knowing how bad the team will be next year because it it gives you that nice, like lowered expectations vibe where you're just like, it'll be like, Oh, they did, they did a thing. Good job, tigers.
0: (laughs) Yep. You don't have to kind of trick yourself or or talk yourself into like, Oh, maybe this team can contend if Daniel Norris, you know, gets it together and Matt Boyd gets it together and Maggie is healthy and all these sort of if, if, ifs you have to pile on onto each other. Um, you know, they, they did the right thing last year and ripped the Band-Aid off and, you know, we're just all going to have to bleed for a year or two until uh, hopefully shiny, fresh new skin grows over the wound. Yeah. I just, I, I'm, I'm on a trend because last week I was already mentioning the sharks and, you know, us picking through the, the leftover bits of flesh. And, um, yeah, the, the metaphors are just going to get darker and darker, people. So I hope, you're, <laughs> hope you can ride along Jeez. with me on this. Nice and gross. That's yeah, good. Yeah. Just. Scare them off with scab talk. Yep. So, all right. So, we, what we've got coming up um, is finally the winter meetings. And, you know, that's going to start this weekend. Um, maybe the first thing that will go on that's interesting to Tiger fans is that the modern modern era <laughs> ballot will finally come out with their, their two picks for who will make the Hall of Fame. Um, a lot of people are pretty pretty high on Alan Trammell's chances, finally. I tend to think that Alan Trammell is finally going to get into the Hall of Fame this weekend, and that, at least, will be something to celebrate. Yes, I agree. What now, do
1: you think about Jack Morris?
0: I don't quite think Jack Morris is really a Hall of Famer. I wouldn't be offended if Jack Morris gets in, that's for sure, but I, he's he's just that guy that I can't really... I've never been able to convince myself is like a slam dunk, like, this guy should be in. I could do that with Alan Trammell, can do that with Lou Whitaker. I can probably do that with yeah, the, Louis Tiant as well, who might get in. But uh, I can't quite do it with Morris.
1: Yeah, that Whitaker's not on the ballot just makes me mad every time I'm reminded.
0: I love I love Alan Trammell's loyalty though too because you know he said on numerous occasions like he'd be happy to get in, but he really doesn't doesn't want to get in without Lou, and uh, that just yeah. Well, After all these years, that's a pretty team, great, right?
1: Like it's it's you can't have one without the other. It's peanut butter and jelly.
0: Yep. And that, you know, and it just speaks to, you know, what a, what a up individual Alan Trammell is. Um, everything I hear about that guy even now is, you know, just, just, he's just a, just a world-class human being who doesn't really care too much, you know, for any new accolades, but would be happy to get in. But is mostly just, you know, just dead focused on, you know, training up the young guys, coaching and helping the other guys live the dream. So, you know, God bless you, Alan Trammell. You were my hero when yeah. I was a kid, so yeah. I'm, I'll, so I'll be pretty happy. Yeah, we, you know, I'm am I'm a child of '84, really, because I was 10 in 1984 and a little league shortstop slash pitcher, and so Alan Trammell, yeah, was oh. definitely that was definitely my guy. I mean, he and Morris both were, were my two heroes. Um, Lance Parrish, pretty high up in that regard as well. So, yeah, I'll be I'll be pretty stoked to see Trammell um, get in there, even though Justin Verlander has overtaken him as my favorite all time Tiger. Those are some
1: solid picks, Brandon. I can't argue
0: with any of those. I know. I mean, there's such, there's such A-list picks too. I can't really, there's, there's no indie cred involved at all. (laughs) Like like going to the exact, you know, the top of the barrel there, the cream of the crop. Yeah.
1: It's not like you're like, yeah, I'm a total Chet Lemon guy or some like, you're like, I'm not, I'm a,
0: I'm a Nook Logan fan. Like, (laughs) let me tell you something. Barbaro Garbe could have been something if, you know, the Tigers would have played him more sparky, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> not going there. So yeah, we won't do that. We won't go down the, the Barbaro Garbet rabbit hole, but, um, the other things that, you know, that, I mean, the winter meetings. you know, we'll have the rule five draft Um the Tigers. will have the, the number one pick and bless your boys. will have coverage, you know, kind of coming up shortly here on, um, who the top guys are, you know, as, who are available in the rule five draft, um, guys like Nick birdie, who a lot of people are interested in, who is a pretty, pretty slick pitching prospect who's, I think going to miss all of next year with Tommy John surgery, but might be another candidate um, to to stash and kind of wait on. Um, I wrote about another guy who we could do that with, who was Drew Smiley. Do you have any interest in Drew Smiley coming back?
1: I would love to see Drew Smiley come back because he fits. I will not shut up about this until they actually do something about it. (laughs) He fits my theory that we should bring back somebody people give a crap about. And I think Smiley was... Because we got to see Smiley come up from the minors. Like, I I remember him making his debut. And it was very cool to watch. And, I mean, yes, he was part of that huge price trade with the the Rays, which was awesome. Um, But I think it would be nice to see him come back. He never really did much terribly exciting with the Rays or the Mariners. But I want to see it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you kind of wonder, like... 2014 when we actually, when we traded him was was kind of about his peak. Like he pitched pretty well for the Rays the next season. And then 2016 um still you know like looked good as far as like strikeouts and walks but just started giving up home runs left and right um which kind of coincided with everyone in the league starting to give up home runs left and right but he had it worse than most so you know it could have been that Seattle Maybe. would have been a good fit for him but you know that's a, that's not a park you can hit the ball out of very very easily, but, um, you know, he never got a chance, went down with forearm trouble and then had Tommy John surgery in early July. And so he will, he'll be out all next year, but I just think, yeah, you know, you give him a two year deal, maybe even a really cheap three year deal if he wanted it and stash him aside, you know, let him work out with the team and then, you know, see if he can kind of work his way up, you know, at the late next season when he comes back. And then, you know, if he does, we might have, you know, a reasonably good starting pitcher the year after. It's only 28.
1: Yeah. I, I... I like it, I think it's not like I wanted Vister, um but I, I I'd be down for the return of Drew Smiley I think at this at this point, the Tigers would be stupid not to to try things right like to make those like calculated risks and i I think that it's an interesting one, and i I don't see the harm in it is the thing like why not?
0: yeah, I think that's yeah I mean, I think that's how a lot of us feel is just you know. I want them to try something new. I want them to take some chances on some guys. I mean, Drew Smiley, you can you can basically, you know, sign and, you know, stash on the 60-day disabled list and you still have a roster spot that you could use if you wanted to. You know, you're basically yeah. just, you know, picking up a, a free free roster spot basically to put a pretty good starting pitcher on. And I know that, you know, when Drew Smiley was traded, you know, he was he was a little bit salty about being traded. And some people are kind of on him about that. I don't care about that in the slightest. Like a guy who's happy about, you know, being traded away from a team that, you know, in 2014 looked like we were, you know, at least going to contend for something um, and did make the playoffs. You know, I don't have any problem with that. I don't have any problem with him being a little bit annoyed at DeMorowski. You know, these guys are human. You know, it's, it's no different than getting, you know, traded to another company if that could happen to you, you know, you're not going to be thrilled to have, you know, that, you know, your own kind of agency taken away from you and be sent somewhere.
1: No, and I think like I think it's the opposite issue that people had with Fielder. Because Fielder was like, well, we lost. Peace out, guys. I don't care. I have a family. And now we're getting mad at Smiley for being like, no, I would have liked to have stayed on that team that looked like they might contend. Yep. Like, pick one or the other. Do you want people to not care or do you want them to care? <laughs> like,
0: yeah. I, I don't know. People just want reason to be angry. I think I guess is what, what it really comes down to. When I like, think of Drew Smiley, uh, we... what I think of is 2012 when, you know, this, this kid who no one expected to be anything puts it together at AAA and suddenly, you know, suddenly he's, you know, basically closing for us in the postseason when uh, Valverde blew up and was just nails. And I was just like, oh, you know, from that point on, I was on board and, you know, he he did everything the Tigers wanted. He pitched in the bullpen, even though that wasn't what he wanted to do. He finally got his starting yep. job in 2014 and then they traded him away. And, you know, I, I have no problem with Drew Smiley. I actually like him quite a bit. I think he's pretty gritty. And, you know, I watched him in the WBC, which the other thing, we talked a lot about the overall look at the season, you know, last, last week. But I think back to the WBC, and that was some of the baseball I, best baseball I saw this whole year. And Drew was Smiley so was good. nails in his performance. I mean, he, he struck out eight. He was throwing harder than I'd ever seen him. I really thought he was up for a good year. So... You know, I, yeah. I won't be upset if the Tigers don't bring him back. Like, I get it, but yeah, it would be nice to see them try something a little more unique here, and yeah, possibly, you know, bring back someone whose name people are, are at least familiar with. I think at this yeah, point, there's like, little value, no, like you say, yeah.
1: There's not, and I, like the guys that I was thinking that would be the obvious targets are kind of out now with the Martin signing. Like, you're not going to bring back a or and Austin Jackson because you've got Martin out in center field now. So there would be absolutely no. Point in bringing another center fielder into the mix we're lousy with center fielders we don't need any more um none of them are very good but <laughs> yeah. if we could get we Lorenzo Cain that
0: would be a different story but we're not getting Lorenzo Cain So
1: yeah it's not like we're gonna go out and trade for Kevin Kiermaier like it's it's just it's not how things happen so like I think picking up a pitcher that people know is probably your next best bet because there's not a lot of options out there unless we go out and get a Fernando Rodney um, which I mean, I said we might go pick up a relief arm, so who knows?
0: Um, but Fernando yeah, wouldn't well, be the worst move. Yeah, I mean, you know, Fernando's a guy who could come out and pitch well for a while early in the year and be dealt for something. It's certainly a possibility.
1: Yeah, I don't think that it's an out of the out of the realm of possibility choice for them to bring Fernando Rodney back. Um, I will just be outraged all season that he cannot put his hat on straight.
0: Yeah, you won't be alone in that too. <laughs>
1: Oh, it makes it, it makes me so mad, Brandon. Yeah. He's like found exactly the level of tilt acceptable to not be against uniform regulations and just, just
0: lives there. I know. But, you know, the thing about that, I, I just, you know, I don't know if that if that whole story about it being, you know, a tribute to the way his dad wore his hat is 100% true or if that's just, just something he says to put people off. I, I honestly don't know. But, you know, ever since he said that, I've just been like, ah, whatever. I, I just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> Not, not an issue. Yeah. I, I know I kind of put it with everybody who in Detroit, you know, was always dogging Matt Stafford, the Lions quarterback, for wearing his hat backward, you know, like, oh, this is unprofessional. Like, ah, who cares? <laughs> if he can play, he can play, you know. I don't think we need to concern ourselves too much with this. Yeah. Oh,
1: well. Wow. Yeah, so, I'll get over it if we sign him.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, at least maybe it'll. Well, I don't know. Maybe it won't mean that Green won't get traded till till middle of the way. Maybe they'll trade Green, and all of a sudden Fernando Rodney is our closer, and we're in some kind of oh. some kind of bizarro 2007 situation. Oh, yeah. Don't say that. I know. I'm just full of doom and gloom right now. I can't help it. You are.
1: But the problem is that any doom and gloom scenario that we bring up is entirely plausible at this point. Yep. like I, I think I joked the other day that maybe we should give Phil Coke an invite because he's just been <laughs> playing in Japan. And I'm like, well, he's been start. He's he's been a starting pitcher in Japan, Brandon. Like, if we want to have a six man rotation, why don't we bring Phil Coke back and give him a go sure, sure. at the sixth starter role? Like, what could possibly go wrong? Yeah.
0: No, we didn't get Shohei Otani, but hey, look, guys, Phil Coke. Is... <laughs> Phil Coke is back at the glove <laughs> slam. So the finger. We part. got
1: this other. Very exciting Japanese player.
0: Oh, Tiger fans! I'm so sorry. All oh, my all my heart goes out would, to you, you know guys. I would secretly
1: love it if we brought Phil Coke.
0: Back. I actually wouldn't care. Yeah, I'd be like whatever. It would, just,
1: it would delight me to no end.
0: Yeah, Phil Coke is a fun guy. I'll give him that. He was he was fun to have around. Um, I I never understood why the Tigers, you know, continued to think he was a starter when they did. I mean, I don't even want to revisit the whole. Phil Koch situation. Let's just say he was on the mound in 2012 when they beat the Yankees in the ALCS. And that that's good enough for all of us. <laughs> yes,
1: that was delightful.
0: Yeah. So, all right, we're going to transition here a little bit and just, and just kind of dial in on the front office and the coaching staff. Um, you know, a lot has changed for the Tigers since the end of the season. Um, Brad Ausmus basically was fired at the beginning of September and just kind of hung around with the boys until the season ended. And we've signed, obviously, Ron Gardenhire to be the new manager. But I wanted to start with Al Avila because one of my favorite baseball writers, Jeff Sullivan of Fangraphs, is doing something he does every year where he basically takes a huge poll as to how how fans feel about their team's front office. And I wanted to take a look and see where the Tigers fans have voted their front office thus far. It can't be good.
1: Oh, my God. I
0: can't wait. Let's see what he's got. Okay. There's five, five is options. Is it 27? Well, it's it's very good, pretty good, average, very bad, and pretty bit. Well, pretty bad and then very bad is, is the worst. And right now, pretty bad is leading the way by a substantial margin at 43.89%. With average coming in second, which surprises me a little bit at 30% and very bad at 18%. There are only five, 0.5% who say pretty good and 1% who says very good. <laughs> so I think that's all, I think that's all reasonably accurate at this point. I think that's a pretty, pretty reasonable assessment of, of how Ala Vila's done so far. But I guess the way I would want to frame it is, I mean, it's it's very hard because they fired Dave Dombrowski and basically kept most of the rest of the front office. But how much blame would you personally put on Al Avila for where the Tigers are now, as as compared to Dave Dombrowski? Like, there's there's an easy question for you.
1: Is it easy? I don't think that's an easy question at all. No,
0: I don't at all. It was sarcasm for me. Uh, like, <laughs> it's really difficult to kind of tease, you know, tease it's, apart who's responsible for what. It's so hard because you look at those contracts, like contracts with guys
1: like like Martinez and and Miggy, and those like just burdensome deals. And that's not on Al. Like that's not Alabila's fault. That we have this, you know, these these guys that you can't move. Um, although I would I would say that Martinez is more Mike Illich's fault than Dave Dombrowski's fault. Yeah, because I think Mart- Martinez went right to. Illich on that and was just like, I'd really like to stay, Mike. And Mike Mike Illich Mike Illich was like, We'll make something work.
0: Right. Victor, you know. We'll take care of you. We'll take care of you, Victor, I believe is what was said, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I mean I you can't put all the blame for the situation that the Tigers find themselves in on Al. And I and I much as much as I hate to say it, I think you can pin a lot of it on Mike Illich. Because he, he rode this very win-now motivation for a very long time. And I think the Tigers as an organization really did want to win that World Series ring for Mike. And I, I think it put them in a position where they spent a lot of their time and money focusing on now, as opposed to preparing for the future, very much like, you know, the grasshopper and the, the whoever like planned for winter. Um, (laughs) But like they had nothing planned for the future because they spent all their time focusing on winning now. And now that that winning window has closed, they're like, Oh, well crap. I, you know, didn't plan for the long winter ahead. And, and Al finds himself in a very unfortunate position of having to, to make up for all those years where it was the plenty of the moment as opposed to, to savings for the future, you know? Yeah. And, and it's not an enviable position for a guy to be in because he's, he's, he was with Dombrowski through all those years and got to see the build. And now all of a sudden it's in his hands to make sure that the Tigers have, have winning for the future. And it's, I don't know. It's, it's an unenviable position and i i don't think i can hold him responsible for where he finds himself
0: yeah i think yeah i mean i think that's a reasonable way to look at it um you know you go back through you know the mike Illich years especially you know the later years and you know i, I know alavila you know had at least a decent amount of responsibility for a lot of things that that went well you know as far as like some of the trades the tigers made for pitchers um, there was, you know, finding J.D. Martinez. I mean, that's that's an Al Avila contact. So, you know, you have to give him some credit for, you know, just how good the Tigers were along that way. And you can't just turn around and say, like, well, you know, Dave Dombrowski was responsible for everything good. Al is responsible for everything bad just because of the way, you know, the the hiring and firing there went. But, you know, Al Avila has taken this on, and that's the way it goes. But I was thinking earlier, and I was thinking about this all day, actually. It was about Mike Illich myself. And just about how good an owner really was Mike Illich, because I think oh yeah, because of the amount he spent, you know, the, the last, you know, five or six years, especially, it's easy to, to kind of to forget, you know, the first, you know, eight, nine years of his ownership and all the things that went you know, went wrong there and how he just let the front office just screw up, you know, endlessly with no repercussions and the Tigers didn't spend, and the Tigers didn't sign anybody. And it was really like, you know, it was 2004, 2005. when it was like, he finally like woke up to the Tigers and decided like, okay, you know, I've been focused on the red wings. Here we go. And, you know, I think people, you know, kind of write that all off and want to, you know, and want to look at him like he was, you know, one of the all time great owners or something, or one of the most committed, um, you know, I really do he was definitely committed, you know, in the later years. And I do appreciate an owner that that spends and really wants to win. Um, but there was also, you know, some of the meddling that went on with moves um, where he probably should have listened to his front office more so than, you know, his desire to kind of, you know, populate the team with, with big time free agents and stars and tried to create something that was a little bit more, you know, sustainable um, along the Cardinals model where they're always like reasonably good um rarely great but always you know maybe a move or two during this during the season from you know being a world series contender and and that's a really hard niche to fit into so yeah you know I, for me alavila's you know the the really bad things i can put on alavila are you know the alfredo simon or not the alfredo simon but the mike pelfrey signing um you know mark Lowe, some of those deals um and there, there's definitely some criticism to go there, but you know it also comes back to the fact that you know Mike Illich wanted to win then, and after the 2015 season, they probably should have just chilled out, maybe signed a starting pitcher, and then just seen how the season went. But you know they had they went all in again. They didn't have the farm to do anything, and so here we are. Here we find ourselves, you know, at a point where they really didn't have a whole lot of options but to make the deals that they did. Um, and the question now is. You know, what kind of owner is Chris Illich going to be? Because if the Tigers, you know, wanted to, it's interesting to think about who the Tigers could trade for. Um, You know, the Tigers could trade for Chris Archer. Tigers could trade for all kinds of, you know, really good players with a few years of control left. And they could also sign, you know, plenty of good players if they wanted to. Now that would probably be foolish because we've tried it a whole bunch of different ways and it hasn't worked out. And it feels like, you know, we need to build up a much stronger young core. And I think the Tigers are going in the right direction in terms of doing that, but, um, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's just difficult to know how much of a pass to give, you know, Chris Illich or how much time to give them. And I'm really, really in the back of my mind, afraid that, you know, Chris Illich is kind of just going to let Al Avila just run the show for, you know, five or six years before he really, you know, takes any kind of decisive action or gets involved. And we don't even know if him getting involved would be a good thing. So we're in kind of a tough spot. Yep. That's for sure. Part yeah. of me
1: still wonders if like the the payroll shedding is more to make it an appealing team to sell. And I you know, it's hard to say, right? You, Illich has said that he's he's dedicated to the team and he's seen what his dad did with the team. But I think it's it's really gonna be one of those things where you can only tell in a couple years when we see how it really all shakes out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the truth. Um, you know, I'm, I don't really have any option, but to kind of take him, you know, at face value and assume that he's as interested as he says he is, and that he's going to try to continue his dad's legacy and, you know, do everything he can to bring a championship here. But, you know, if you're going to do everything you're going to, you want to do to bring a championship here, they could, you know, they could be signing a couple free agents and not, you know, not trading away the farm and just keep building the farm up. And we'd see, you know, kind of, kind of where things go then, but, um, yeah, it's it's really hard to gauge what Krasilec is going to do, and that makes it hard to know what Alavila, you know, actually has available to him. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, my hope is that you know Alavila is going to be more creative um, than we've seen so far. You know, they're, they've built the analytics department; um, it's still not you know fully operational, probably in terms of like you know the way like the Astros or the Dodgers are, where it's actually impacting player development at the major league level. Um, it seems like the Tigers are still kind of still at the, you know, kind of nascent stage of, you know, j- just using it to evaluate trades, draft picks, you know, things like that, which is fine. Free agent signings, um, which is fine. But, you know, there's still, there's still a ways from getting there and, and having that ramped up. And meanwhile, the rest of the league is kind of moving ahead. So... Yeah, it's it's just tough to know how long this project is going to take and whether or not they can catch up. And I just I just have just an awful sense about Alavila that he's just kind of too conservative a guy fundamentally to really, to really ever be you know super progressive and kind of take this team into the kind of terrain where the Dodgers and the Astros are sort of leading the way and finding value and innovating in different places. Um, the way Theo Epstein and his and Jed Hoyer and those guys did in Boston. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just I, I need to see some signs and, you know, I haven't seen like, them yet. Either, no, so. no. I mean, you know, they're you know, I mean, they're, they're starting to talk the talk, which which helps. But, you know, we haven't really seen them, you know, kind of develop anybody, you know, uniquely. We haven't really seen them do anything creative as far as, you know, dealing some of their, you know, their prospects for maybe like, you know, a younger talent that, you know, a team might be looking to cast off um, who are, you know, a team that already Uh, has somebody coming and, you know, it's early, the Tigers just decided to rebuild. So we're probably just going to have to be patient and kind of see how it plays out. But there is one major move that I think, unfortunately for me, at least kind of speaks to speaks to my fears. And that is the hiring of Ron Gardenhire as the Tigers manager. How, uh, how did you take that when you heard the news?
1: You know what my honest to God, immediate reaction was like, Oh, it was just like a resounding meh. Like I just and and here's like the thing is I've been to so many Twins games because t- Target Field is my closest stadium. It's basically my home field. I like the Twins. I love that stadium. So I've I've known Guardy and his his like. His antics—you can't really call them antics—because Guardy's antics-free. Yeah, I want to say his style, I, I,
0: but I'm not sure he has style yeah, either. <laughs> I just—I've—I've I've
1: seen Guardy for years, and he's a likable enough guy as a manager, and I—I just—I worry so much because his last four years with the Twins were some of the worst seasons that team has had. And I don't know if that's if that blame can fall entirely on him or because of a lack of, of substantial talent or what. But it's really hard to get psyched about a manager who who managed to fail a team like the Twins. You know what I mean? So and I, I, I they say that with the Diamondbacks as their bench coach, he he got more open minded about the idea of analytics. But until I see that in action, I don't believe it either. Um, and he's brought on so many of his guys, which I know is kind of par for the course with a managerial move like this. Um, but it just doesn't leave me feeling real warm and fuzzy, um, about the prospects. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And for me, you know, obviously, you know, I'd kind of push for Gabe Kapler knowing he wasn't going to come here, but, you know, but realistically, I just wanted someone who felt like they were a little bit more of a, of a progressive kind of new school type thinker. And, yeah. you know, when I heard, when I heard that they, they'd chosen Ron Gardenhire, it just felt like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I just felt like met is a good term, but it just felt like, oh, this is, this is just a lukewarm, you know, kind of bath I'm falling into. And, you know, slowly I will fall asleep and the water will get warmer and warmer until I'm boiling and don't realize it. <laughs> like this yeah, is just, well, it's just the most comfortable so kind of move. The
1: op- it's just so much the opposite of anything exciting and new, right? Like it, it is the warm milk before bed of managerial signings.
0: Yeah. That's a, <laughs> that's a very good way of putting it. Yeah. You know, and it's not that I, you know, it's not that I care about the small ball stuff, you know, I, you know, sometimes if you have a certain team that, you know, just isn't, isn't, you know, kind of gifted with power, you know, some small ball is good for you. You know, I, I mean, it, that can still come in handy here and there. And I think Ryan Gardenhire is a good manager. Um, it's not that I, you know, I look at, you know, the work he did with the Twins and think, like, ah, oh, he was terrible. Um, I do think some people look at, you know, kind of the late aughts teams that were making, you know, kind of, kind of I wouldn't say ruling the Central late in that decade, but were, you know, consistently good teams who ran down the Tigers and vexed them on numerous occasions. Those teams had a lot of talent. Um, you know, maybe not as much as, you know, the Tigers teams of, you know, 2012, 2013 did. I think that's pretty, pretty clear, but they were pretty talented. And, you know... Yeah, he's he's probably a sound guy, you know, I I know he's he's good with players, he's good with young players. None of those things, yeah. you know, really concern me and I, obviously the Tigers aren't going to win anything anyway. And that's and that's where I hear people kind of being like, "Eh, it doesn't matter that much." But what worries me, and this is what I I keep going on about and I know I'm a broken record on the site in numerous articles <laughs> where I hit on this, but if your manager isn't the guy, you know, pushing things forward in terms of you know, trying to use technology, trying to use more data to to make players better, you know, at the major league level, you're not doing everything you can to maximize their value in trade or to turn them into useful players. And I don't think it's a good idea to just kind of take it as like, well, you know, he's good with young players and he said he likes analytics. Now it's, it's not enough to like it or to even understand it. you have to be, you know, proactively, you know, Working with your analytics department, this is what you see from the Cubs. You see it from the Astros, the Dodgers. Every team, that the Tigers would want to be like, you see the manager interacting with the player development personnel, the analytics department, and and trying to you know to to use every bit of data and t- technology and information that they have to make their guys better, you know, in in the here and now. And I just feel like you know if if Guardy doesn't really have that going for him, you know, we're going to have a couple years where you know, the analytics guys kind of do their thing and the coaching staff does their thing. And there still isn't this kind of synergy that you see when you read or hear from, yeah, the Cubs, Astros, Dodgers, et cetera. So we'll see, maybe, yeah. maybe he'll surprise me, but, um you know, it doesn't take a whole lot to get up there and just say like, oh yeah, you know, Tori Lovello, you know, introduced me to analytics and it opened up a whole new world for me.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Right. Like yeah. it's,
0: even the fact that he addressed it kind of, you know, I mean, I know he was ass on some occasions, but on others, he kind of just brought it up himself and it just felt like a, kind of like a, you know, a checkbox he knew he needed to tick. So then again, you know, Clint Hurdle famously, you know, was a a pretty curmudgeonly set in his way type of manager and, you know, realized at a certain point that he had to dive into this and became a total, you know, total convert to uh, using saver metrics and technology and gathering data and using all that to, kind of find edges everywhere. So it's not impossible. And we'll we'll have to hope for the best and see what Guardy can do for us. Yeah, it's it's
1: really hard for us to judge right now without seeing any of it.
0: Um there's definitely a level of cautious optimism. Yeah. I at least feel like, you know he's he's gonna be on his guys, you know, to do things the right way, in a way that I think it'll be different than Brad Osmus. And I I didn't think Brad Osmus You know, some people, you know, think a manager is going to be a hard ass and get on them and that's going to help. Um, You don't hear that from anybody, you know, just just to address the general Tigers baseball public. You don't hear that from A.J. Hinch. You don't hear that from Girardi. You don't hear that from Joe Madden. They're not out there yelling and screaming at their guys and kicking butts. Um, That stuff is just antiquated nonsense. Um, You know, guys who are paid 10 million dollars a year. Don't respond to that. You know, you have you kind of have to, you know, you have to schmooze them. You have to manage. And, um, you know. We'll see if if Gardie on those fronts can can kind of get something out of these guys. Yep. So yeah, I
1: do, I do think that there's something to the idea of having like a literal old manager with such young guys. That I think there there's a benefit there almost because they may just take that guidance more seriously than with a younger manager like Kapler.
0: Yeah, there's at least a, a distance as far as like interests and yeah, and you know, kind of the generation that they're from. And sometimes yeah. that can kind of command a little bit of respect on its own. Yeah, really. I think I, I really think Brad Ausmus' problem, as far as like a motivator, is just is just that he's too dry. You know, he's just too dry, sarcastic, and in his own way. And this will make some people who hate him like just spit their drink. But Brad Ausmus is kind of a no BS type guy. Um, you know, you hear this stuff from Joe Madden and some of these other managers. You know, old old hard you know hard nosed Tiger fan types would would dismiss all that as touchy feely nonsense. But those are the you know, those are the best managers in the game. And I feel like Brad Ausmus you know, isn't just isn't a guy who, who could get himself to, you know, go give like, you know, subtle motivational talks and a back rub to, you know, a young player who's down on himself or has some trouble at home. You know, I, that's that's the kind no, of thing you hear out of the other guys, but Yeah. So yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, Guardy being a you know being a little bit older and you know kind of commanding some respect from for having you know ten years plus as a manager and having you know coached a lot of good guys you know that that could be a benefit to him and we'll just have to see uh, you know if he's learned any new tricks or not. We'll see. That's all you can do, right? Wait and see. Yeah, yeah. I'm afraid so. So, yeah, I don't know. I think we might be about to wrap it up this week. Um, you know, the, the last thing that kind of hit the site this week that was kind of big is that it was, it's interesting to think about Miguel Cabrera has been a Tiger now for 10 years. It was just 10 years ago the other day that we signed, Miguel or traded for Miguel Cabrera. And, boy, that's been fun. I mean, it just I, – I tried to express it in the little piece I wrote about it really quickly um, in, like, an hour lunch break at work. And it's just hard to put into words. You know, you can, you can look at Miguel Cabrera's numbers – You know, you can see the home runs, but watching him hit, you know, night after night, especially in his peak years was just one of the most incredible things I've ever seen in baseball. Oh, I,
1: I, I hope to never forget watching him clinch the, the triple crown. Like I, we were out, I was, I was with my, my boyfriend at the time and we were out and we legit left a place early so that we could get home to watch the end of that game in Kansas city to just see that moment happen. And it was, it was worth it. It was an absolutely incredible moment.
0: It was. And, you know, I'll I'll always, you know, kind of have a little bit of a soft spot for the Kansas City Royals fans who, you know, like really, really did the stand up thing and gave him a pretty huge ovation. That was, that was really cool. And Jim Leland, you know, the old maestro that he is, knowing to substitute for him right then, get him his ovation and get him off the field. Yeah, it just all kind of, just all came together really perfectly. And, you know, that was, that was right in in the peak of the, you know, the Tigers kind of dominance there too. So it all just kind of came together and kind of a, just a really nice shining moment. But yeah, when I think about, you know, Miguel Cabrera, I just think of a guy just crushing the ball, you know, like just in a way that I've just never seen in person. I remember I went, I think it was 2009. I, I saw four games in a row on a homestand at Comerica park. And I swear he hit the ball like a rocket every single time. And he made a whole bunch of outs. You know, he was smoking the ball at the first baseman, smoking balls at the third baseman, crushing them right at the center fielder. Um, You know, he hit a home run. I know there were a couple doubles and plenty of hits in there, but it was just just the purity of contact he could make on any pitch anywhere in the zone, um, and still can when he's healthy. Um, That was just yeah, yeah, just one of those things. Yeah, you, you just just hard to express hard to express what it was like to, to see a guy do that and just how much it stood out from any other baseball player i've ever you know kind of watched in person
1: yeah it's neat like i i know that in you know 20 or 30 years it'll be one of those things where if i ever have kids i'll be like you know i got to watch miguel carrera pitch a hit in his prime and And they'll be like, yeah, mom, we know. Shut up. Like, you've told us this story a thousand times. And I'm like, Miguel Cabrera was the greatest hitter of all time. And I'll stand by it.
0: Yeah. And they'll be pointing to some genetically engineered monster on television, you know, smashing 80 home runs while batting like 210 or something like that. Like, Like, this this, this guy. (laughs) This this
1: Stanton bought 5,000. You'll be like, no.
0: You know. Yep. The Stanton bot is coming. I was, I was just reading something the other day just to get into some, some more darkness about, you know, like um some of the genetic manipulations they're starting to do on, on animals And I just keep thinking like, you know, people who who are still really upset about the steroid era, you know, I just have not come to been able to come to terms yet with what's coming down the pipe. We are um uh, no. we, we are not prepared for these kind of things and I don't know what baseball is gonna do when you know, guys are are getting their genes modified to make their muscles grow faster or, you know, heal faster. (laughs) Right. I don't know. You just know, you just know these things are going to start to happen. So, all right. I think we're going to, we're going to wrap it up for tonight. Um, that was episode two. Um, you know, we, we kind of just wanted to get a few episodes under our belt. We're going to start having some guests come around. Like I mentioned earlier, we're we're hoping to have David Lorilla on next week. And, um, We'll see you next week, hopefully from the winter meetings. Ashley, you have a good night.
1: You too.